Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone, I am on the line with Aaron Ma. Aaron is a student at Miller Middle School. Yes, you heard that right, Miller Middle School in San Jose, California. He is in the sixth grade, and he is 11 years old. Uh, Aaron, welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. Thanks you for having me, Sam. I really can't explain how excited I am to kind of dive into this conversation. One of your many accomplishments is just the amount of dedication and accomplishment you've uh, invested in learning machine learning. You've got three Udacity Nano degrees on the topic, and you've done 80 Coursera courses. Let's just start out by having you share a little bit with us. How did you initially get interested in machine learning and artificial intelligence? Hey, so first of all, I'm going to talk about how I got turned into computer science, first of all. So when I was five, I got my first computer, which was a hand-me-down from my dad. And it's an iMac 2008 with 2.4 gigahertz and 2 gigabytes of RAM. So at first, I would be doing educational stuff like Raz Kids, Extra Math, Google Classroom, etc. But then one day I thought, hmm, how does this computer work? Does it use images, screenshots? Hmm. So I decided to ask my dad. And my dad said it was based on coding. So I decided to learn coding. So the first language I've ever learned is HTML, which is a great language for building websites. But then I faced a major disastrous problem. It's because if I just use HTML, all I have is black and white. And I want my users on my website to have a rich, detailed experience. So I decided to learn CSS to create a rich story and make it more colorful on my website. And then I learned JavaScript to make my websites more dynamic. And I'm proud to say that the first website I've ever made using HTML, CSS, and JavaScript is my to-do list, which is basically a web app where you can create, delete, insert, remove, and all of your to-dos. And it's all stored in your browser cache. And also around that time, my dad took me to my dad's coworkers' party. So during the party, one of my dad's coworkers brought the materials for s'mores, like like graham crackers, chocolate, and etc. So I decided to make myself useful by using those s'more materials to actually make s'mores. So a lot of people um, ate s'mores because I made them. Then my dad's coworker called Jeremy came up to me and said, you should make a website if you're so interested in making s'mores. I thought, <laughs> hmm, I should do that. Because since I'm interested in programming and I also love making s'mores, I should make a website on it. And I decided to call it The Roasting Company. The Roasting but, Company? Yep, The Roasting Company. Okay. <laughs> but then when I told Jeremy that I was going to use HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, he was like, no, no, no. You should use Angular. That's everyone's new favorite <laughs> front-end framework. <laughs> so the first thing I did when I came home was go to Pluralsight.com and search Angular tutorials. 
And I've learned Angular from industry experts like Deborah Carrado and John Popham. So then I learned Angular and also um, the Angular router and also Angular material. And also um, after learning Angular, my dad took me to my first Angular meetup. And I should also say my first meetup. So during the meetup... And now what was this? How, how old this, were you when all this happened? So that time I was nine. Okay. When I went to my first meetup, Angular meetup. And during the meetup, there was the NativeScript team who came in. And during the middle of the meetup, there was a NativeScript Jeopardy because the NativeScript team was there. So they asked for volunteers to play the NativeScript Jeopardy. And when they asked for volunteers, literally nobody in the entire room raised their hand. Literally nobody. <laughs> so I decided to raise my hand and volunteer. And three more adults came in and joined me. At first, everyone was like, ha ha ha, this is such a joke. But then after answering the first question correctly, which is, what is the NativeScript command line tool called, which I answered T and S, and also answering a few more questions correctly. Um, everyone in the audience was like, and they knew <laughs> that I could actually program. Uh-huh. So one of the people on the NativeScript team called Sebastian Metallic was pretty impressed with me. And he asked me, do you have a Twitter so he could follow me? And I said, no, because what could a nine-year-old uh, learn Twitter from? So the first thing I did when I came home from that meetup was going to Twitter and creating a Twitter account. And Sebastian became my first follower. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, thank you, Sebastian. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> What's his Twitter handle? Do you remember? Uh, I think it's Sebastian Metallic. And then after a few more months of going to more Angular meetups, learning more about Angular, and also learning how to create a great presentation, in August of last year, when I woke up, uh, my dad told me that I should learn machine learning and AI because mm. it is going to be the future. And I always <laughs> want to be able to keep up with the future. And also the second reason I wanted to learn machine learning and AI was because you can make moolah from it. <laughs> so is your dad into machine learning or programming uh he's interested he's um into programming but he's not into machine learning ai he does front end okay so the third reason that i want to learn machine learning and ai is because we can save lives using machine learning and ai for example one day if we have like a machine learning powered robot that could perform surgeries or detect cancer, people who are living in poverty can actually afford cheap medical care. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, everyone can have access to medical care, even people who are in poverty. Mm -hmm. So these are the three main reasons why I wanted to learn machine learning. So then I um, went to youtube.com, like every other kid out there, and searched <laughs> machine learning tutorials. And from machine learning tutorials online, I um, actually started to learn machine learning, pick up the basics. What was the first thing that you learned? The first thing I learned oh, was Python. Okay. The so first you, thing I learned. you didn't have any exposure to Python before you started studying machine learning? Yes. So then from there, after learning Python, I started to uh, learn the types of machine learning, the fields of machine learning, and also TensorFlow. And I chose TensorFlow because... It's backed by Google, it's open source and free, 
and it has a large and vibrant community. It's in demand. It's also um, easy to use, compatibility across so much platforms. There's also TensorBoard and also has integrations, auto differentiation, and is even better than PyTorch from research to production. So after learning um, TensorFlow, I wanted to share my knowledge of TensorFlow to the front end community because um, at that time, that's all I knew, the front end community. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is that most of the people in the front-end community only knows JavaScript, mm-hmm. and they don't know Python. So if they don't know Python, how do they know TensorFlow? So I needed a way to integrate TensorFlow for JavaScript. First, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to create my own NPM package, and I'm going to have to maintain it, etc. But then, luckily, I Googled TensorFlow for JavaScript, <laughs> in which I got the result of TensorFlow.js. And I was pretty lucky because um, they just released it about a year ago during that time. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty lucky on searching that one. And since um, I already know TensorFlow, if you already know TensorFlow when you learn TensorFlow.js, all it takes you is about 30 minutes to learn it. All you have to do is learn how to install TensorFlow.js, how to um, call some of the core stuff in TensorFlow.js, and, you know, you have to learn the differences between the syntax differences. Mm-hmm. For example, um, in TensorFlow, um, you use print, the default native Python print. When mm-hmm. in, in um, JavaScript with TensorFlow.js, you have to use TensorFlow.js's print statement, stuff like that. Let's maybe hit pause there. There is a ton to learn between Python and TensorFlow. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that path. What were some of the things that... I mean, you first have to start with simple linear regressions and, and things like that. What were some of the things that you learned uh, and how did you learn them when you were first getting started with machine learning? Well, um, to be honest, um, most of this, I'm still a, a beginner in machine learning mm-hmm. because there's a lot of math that I still don't know right now. Mm-hmm. Is, there's such a wide array of stuff to learn. Mm-hmm. So, um so I'm always still learning more about machine learning and um, linear regression. You know, I'm still learning more about it. But in TensorFlow um, and also Python, I know, kind of know how to, like, implement it using, like, basic packages. Like NumPy, NumPy which is numerical Python, Python numerical um, expressions in Python, you know, other Python math libraries. So um, in general, I'm still learning more about the math behind machine learning. And always learning. So right after uh, learning TensorFlow.js and TensorFlow um, in November of last year is when uh, I started to think about my Christmas presents, like every other kid. Because um, in November of each year, it's always close to the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And every single kid starts thinking about their Christmas presents. So uh, I was thinking, hmm, I want to become a self-driving car engineer. But there's no place on uh, on the internet where you can learn it from. But um, I Googled it, and I found... <laughs> yeah, Google. So I found um, Udacity's self-driving car engineering program, mm-hmm. which is the advanced level. And there's also the self-driving car... I'm um, sorry, intro to self-driving cars, which is the beginner slash intermediate. Mm-hmm. So uh, in that time, which was last year, 
it's November. Um, Udacity is like one thousand two hundred dollars per semester, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Around that price. Okay. Uh, although I think um they already lowered it to around one hundred sixty per month now. So basically, um during that time, um it was pretty expensive, and I wanted to save my family some money. So I decided to basically um take a look at the intro to sheltering cars to see what they're gonna teach you. So um, basically, um, saw what they're going to teach you, and they're going to teach you Python and C++. So since I already know Python, I decided to just um, learn C++ mm-hmm. to um, make up for the introduced self-driving cars so I can save my family some money. So after learning C++, um, I enrolled into the self-driving car engineer nanotech program. And two days, I think three days. How many courses right? in that nano degree program? In the nanotech program? Oh, it's not uh, sorted by courses. It's sorted by um, lessons. Okay. So in a nanotech program, I think they have around like 60 lessons. Okay. Depend on uh, your nanotech program. Got it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> about three days before the start of my self-driving current engineer nanotech program, I received an email from the Udacity legal team stating, we're sorry but due to your age that you're under 18 years old, by law, we have to legally terminate your nano degree enrollment. At first, I was really frustrated because they're like breaking my dream because I really wanted to be a self-driving car engineer. Mm-hmm. So I um, Googled on the internet for Sebastian Thrun's email. In case people don't know, um, Sebastian Thrun is the CEO and founder of Udacity at that time. Although he sadly left Udacity um, in June of this year. So <clears throat> after two days of searching the internet, I came across Sebastian Thurn's email. And there's like over 10 emails. So uh, first of all, I'm not going to send spam to him. So I'm not going to send it to all of his emails. So I decided to just send him to his Udacity email because that's the email he most likely will check every single day. Mm-hmm. So after sending him an email... I received an email from him, which stated, start and finish and you make my day. And then Gina, who's an employee at Udacity, um, actually CC'd the Udacity legal team, which meant that the legal team had to hire a lawyer to write a form stating that I give my child Aaron permission to use Udacity services, etc., etc. <laughs> and so in January of this year, that's when I basically started the self-driving engineer nanotech program. So in the first term, and out of two terms, because Udacity um, sorts their content by terms. So in the first term, I learned about perception, localization, and computer vision. And although I didn't make the February deadline, I made it into the March deadline, which meant I could enroll into term two. Mm-hmm. So in term two, I actually learned functional safety, um, Control, path planning, and also building a real self-driving car using the Robotic Operating System, or ROS for short. So in June of this year, June 18th, I should say, of this year, that was the last day of which I was supposed to graduate. On the morning of that day, I saw that uh, I sent emails to UNICE's graduation team, but I still didn't receive a reply. So I decided to... uh, drive there to Udacity's headquarters. So at the headquarters, um, basically, I told them that um, I already completed all of the projects, all of the hard stuff, 
and I already sent them three emails to the Udacity graduation team, but I didn't receive a reply. So basically, they helped me um, by um, using their email, Udacity email, to send it to the Udacity graduation team. And about like five minutes later, after sending that email, basically, uh, they said, congratulations, you've graduated from Udacity Self-Driving Car Engineering Nanometer Program. Wow. And I was really excited. And during my time at the Udacity headquarters, I met the David Silver, who is um, the content creator of the Udacity Self-Driving Car Engineering Nanometer Program, and also the lead of the House of Autonomous Systems at Udacity. I also saw Vienna Harvey, who is the owner of Udacity's own self-driving car, which they call call it Carla. And during during my experience on their self-driving car called Carla, um, I was able to get hands-on with the car. For example, I set up the camera, the LIDARs, the radars, and also um, running scripts on it, and also taking a look at the LIDAR stuff. And also basically checking out the code that they have written. Mm. And to me, I think um, it's like a wow when you take a look at the car. Can you share a little bit of what you learned in the like the first semester of that nano degree? You mentioned that you were studying perception and localization and vision. And I know there's a lot of math in those classes that you probably didn't get into, but what were some of the main things that, that you were able to take away from the class? The main things, well, I'd say, um, for example, um, in the um, computer vision part of the first semester, um, they taught us about undistorting images, which I've never heard of before, because I, all I knew was like, cameras are the best, because, mm-hmm. for example, you can see everything with cameras. But um, they said, no, you can't see everything with the camera. Mm-hmm. Originally, everything in cameras is already distorted. So you actually have to write an algorithm for undistorting images. Mm-hmm. So they did teach us the algorithm for undistorting the images. And um, they taught us how to write code for it. Well, actually not writing code, just t- teaching us how to import the CB2 library which already handles the undistorted algorithm for us. Okay. And for the perception part of it in the first semester, I'd say I learned about all the different sensors that comes with perception. And also, what's perception? Perception is basically like um, connecting all those sensors together and fusing them, which um, I also learned how to um, fuse all of that data together. Mm -hmm. And for localization, I learned how to basically um, what localization is. They taught us that localization is basically um, comparing the objects around the car using LiDAR with the objects in high-definition map. And you have to use localization for self-driving cars because high-definition maps has about 10 centimeters or more of errors. And when you're building a self-driving car, you can't afford any errors because by the time that you already fixed those errors, or you don't even fix those errors, it's going to be too late. You're probably going to collide with an object or something. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to use localization to make sure that um, you have one centimeter of error or less. Mm. So. Um, and did you learn like different localization algorithms, or is there just one way to do it? Um, we learned about common uh, common filters. 
um, extended common filters and also unscented common filters. And I think um, my favorite would be, I'd say, the unscented common filters. Unscented? Like the smell? <laughs> what it, what? Unscented. It's basically um, better than scented because it's kind of, to me, I think it's more faster. So because when you're developing filtering cars, you want it to be as fast as possible. Because if it's going to be too slow, then you're going to face a huge list of problems. And your cars not going to be able to respond in time. So to me, I think the unscented common filters is the best. And so what is the common filter doing? How does that help you localize? Well, it's basically just um, comparing the LiDAR measurements to the high-definition map. And if it's too far or too close, then it knows it's in the wrong place. And it's going to have to reposition itself with the... Um, the control, which I learned in se- the second semester. Got it. So the first semester was all about trying to figure out where the car is, and the second mm-hmm. semester is all about control system. path planning, and building a real subject part with RAWs. In the first class, when you're doing the perception and the common filtering stuff, like, are you doing that in notebooks or IDEs or are you doing it with like actual cars or simulations? What were some of the um, things you were using? So in the computer vision part, we use Jupyter notebooks because it's basically like the industry standard right now. Mm -hmm. And for the perception and also the localization, also for term two, we basically use VS Code. Okay. So instead of using Jupyter notebooks, we basically switched to Visual Studio Code and Determinal. Okay, cool. So tell us about the second semester. So during the second semester, I learned about control and basically how to control the car. And for the controlling part, we actually um, got hands-on with a simulated environment to basically um, control a car in the simulated environment. Although um, after trying multiple times, my car still like jerk left to right sometimes. But overall, I think it was a pretty great experience. But after like uh, about like fifty five tries or something, uh, I finally got it to be pre- got it more precise. Okay. Finally, driving straight instead of jerking left and right. Now I was a lot older than you when I was learning about control systems. I was in grad school, and it was mostly analog stuff, if I remember correctly, uh, like PID controllers. Is that something that came up in your class? Hmm. Proportional integral derivative. Right, control. right, right. Is that tech used in self-driving cars? Sounds like yes. It's yes. Although um, people are now developing uh, better control algorithms. What are some of the better ones? Um, so far, I haven't heard any of them, but I, I have heard that people are trying to develop them. Got it. Got it. Because it's still it's still like really hard to develop something new. Uh huh. Because like right now, self-driving cars. It's really hard to develop because you have to ensure the safety, reliability, and a bunch of different factors. You mentioned that functional safety was one of the mm-hmm. the topics. What does that mean? Basically, um, safety of your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Learning about how to make your vehicle really safe and also um, legal stuff. For example, if you're going to build a real self-driving car, you're going to need to create a functional safety um, PDF file where we learn um, about ISO 26262, which is basically the functional safety standard of autonomous vehicles. And how about the path planning piece? The path planning. 
uh, we basically created a proportional integral derivative controller, which would drive um, in a highway, which could drive by itself in the highway. And for the the final project, the capstone project, which was built a real self-driving car, um, we had to form like a team. So I signed up to become a team leader, and like within 24 hours, like over 10 people wanted to be in my team. So I had to like cut, <laughs> cut about five or six people because um there's a team limit. There's a limit of how many people can be in your team. Okay. So um, in in my team, um, I assigned everyone to their unique role. So I was the person who wrote the ROS code because I'm good at ROS. And um, I assigned one person to work on the functional safety, one person on writing the readme file on how we created it, and also another person writing the readme file for the ROS, um, how we linked our ROS nodes together. Mm. So had you already been exposed to, to ROS prior to the yes. course, or did you learn it in the course? Uh, I've, been, I've been exposed to ROS um, before the course um, even happened. Okay. Like around February 2018. That's when I started. How did you get connected to or find out about ROS? Because in February of 2018, I had this really crazy idea of building a robot. Okay. Although it never actually happened. <laughs> which is pretty sad because, first of all, you need $100,000 to build a robot. And then you need wire up, like, buy all these hardware components. And then you have to wire all these up, program all of these, and test it and sell it to users for profit. So you wanted to build a big robot. Yep, like like a robot that could like help you in your household or something. Oh, wow. But wow. right now, I can only test it in simulators. Yeah, yeah. Because it's too expensive to build like a real robot with hardware and stuff. Have you ever built any small robots? Uh, I've built a Arduino robot. Okay. But but the problem is, is that um, I accidentally bought the wrong wheels, so it could only go forward. <laughs> so it could turn left or right, which was a bad choice in the making. <laughs> I think the robots are a lot more interesting if they can turn, right? <laughs> right. You just if it can't turn, eventually it's just going to collide with some object. Cool. So you're so second semester functional safety path planning capstone project. What was the capstone project? The capstone project was uh, building a real self-driving car. Okay. That's um, just what Udacity likes to call capstone project. To make it like uh, more engaging for people who want to enroll in the Nanomoon program. Got it. And what this is a simulated self-driving car, I'm assuming. Uh, yes, all simulated because um, because if you're uh, building a real self-driving car with uh, ROS, then you're gonna have to um, like you're gonna have to buy some sort of software ROS for self-driving cars or something. So Udacity doesn't want us to like pay for like a real self-driving car stuff. So they just basically created a simulated environment for us. And so uh, how did the Capstone project turn out? Pretty good. It turned out pretty good. Like we passed all of our projects, but there's only one problem. is that um, I signed up my team up for the lottery to test our code on a real self-driving car uh, for Carla. Because Udacity has this, um, this sign-up form where you can basically test your um, Ross code on their uh, autonomous vehicle called mm. Carla. Mm-hmm. So they've already paid for the Ross middleware. 
um, for real Sunshine cards. Okay. So they already put it on their card. They've already set that up. So all you, they have to do is put your code on it. But um, sadly, my team didn't win the lottery. Oh no. So we never. So we never actually had a chance to test it on it. Oh, that's too bad. But right now, um, I'm trying to build a self-driving car that doesn't use ROS. Okay, what will your self-driving car use? Well, I'm planning to basically um, create my own some sort of robotic operating system or something. So I can have more flexibility on it. It's going to be designed and specifically designed and tailored for self-driving cars. So ROS is used in lots of different types of robots uh to your point not self not specifically tailored for self-driving cars what are some of the ways that your operating system will be more suited for self-driving cars first of all um i think that i'm gonna um make this um self-driving car operating system that could basically um fuse all of the data together and also um connect all of these nodes of these um stuff together and also Provide, make it open sourced. And second of all, I also plan to like basically um, have some sample code ready. So basically, if you heard, um, only know how to build the hardware part of a self-driving car, mm-hmm. basically there's already software written out for you. So all you have to do is put the software on, um, on your car, which already has the hardware, which I think is the best way for uh, people to get, um, get quickly, um, with self-driving cars, so you don't have to write your own software. Very cool. I get the impression that that's just one of many projects that you're probably working on or thinking about. Are there others? There's a lot. <laughs> In fact, right now I'm also um, learning how to make a flying car. A flying which car? Think, which I don't think is going to be a reality. Is, is there a nano degree specialty for flying cars too? Yep, the flying car nanodegree program. Oh, really? And have mm-hmm. you t- have you started that one? Uh, no, I haven't started that one yet. So, of all of these three Udacity nanodegrees, eighty Coursera course certificates, what are your top three favorite classes? Well, my first one would be the self-driving car engineer nanodegree program from Udacity. <laughs> okay. Okay, my second pick is. Um, the AI for Trading nanodegree program from Udacity. AI for training? Trading. Trading for mm-hmm. trading. Oh, so that's how you're going to fund your self-driving car is mm-hmm. trading. Investing stocks all day. <laughs> I'm going to have a bot that's just going to keep buying, selling stocks all day long. And third of all is I would say the deep learning AI specialization on Coursera. The deep learning AI. What are some of the courses in that specialization? I'm sorry, uh, the deep learning AI TensorFlow specialization. Ah, okay. Verification TensorFlow specialization. How many classes in that in that specialization? Um, there's four. There's and what four. what are they? So basically, um, those four courses in the specialization teaches you all about TensorFlow 2.0. So basically, um, it starts off with like videos of um really um, simplified stuff about TensorFlow. And then there's quizzes to enhance your learning. And then they provide a Jupyter Notebook lab environment where they teach you the core concept of TensorFlow 2.0. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like this for all four courses. And I would say the first course is my favorite because there's actually um, live interviews from um, Andrew and G. 
who's the founder of Coursera, and also um, and also who's like really good into TensorFlow 2.0. So I'm pretty inspired by him on the interviews inside the first course of the specialization. He is a very inspiring, uh, mm-hmm. very inspiring individual yeah, and contributor in this field. Absolutely. You mentioned that. You know, you go into these courses, a lot of machine learning courses have a lot of math. Some of it is beyond your current ability. How do you approach a course so that you can get something out of it, even when there's potentially a lot that you don't understand? What's your approach there? Well, my approach uh, approach to that would be basically, first of all, like reviewing the lectures a lot. Okay. First of all. And second of all, um, if I um, don't know about the math behind it, I would try to basically um, learn at least how to implement it. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'd implement it using some open source packages because there's always an open source package for um, some sort of math for something in machine learning. So I would try to learn how to implement it. And basically, um, from there on, after learning how to implement it, I would find some time later on to basically learn the math behind it. Mm, mm-hmm. And what's uh, what's an example of something that you initially, like you didn't, just couldn't get the math behind it? You know, you didn't, you hadn't seen it before and you took this approach and, you know, today you understand it because of that approach. Well, I'd say about um, the proportional integral derivative. Okay. PID. Okay. So I basically learned how to implement it in C plus plus. Okay. And learned some of the math behind it because there's still a lot of math. There's like still a lot of math that I still need to like learn more about it. But um, right now some of it I already understand and yeah, so I'm always still learning about it. What parts do you understand now? What parts do you still not understand? So for example, um, the proportional part uh-huh. and the integral part I understand but derivative um, I still don't know how to implement that one and also the in the math behind it okay so I'm always learning <laughs> always learning awesome I'm, ne- I'm never uh, sitting there like relaxing I'm always learning <laughs> always improving every single day and do you uh, do you study math also what or what what kinds of math do you study? Or how do you I, study it? I study math. So right now, currently on math, I'm studying, trying to trying to study um, linear regression if I have the time from it. Okay. So I find I um, found a bunch of great Udacity courses teaching on that particular subject. Okay. And so all of this this amazing studying you're doing with machine learning, how do you balance it with like? school and chores and all the things that I'm imagining you also have to do? Well, I balance it because, first of all, the good thing about school is that they give, like, not a lot of homework. Okay. So basically, um, I, I can finish my homework in, like, five minutes. They don't give <laughs> a lot of homework okay. these days. And for my chores, um, I don't have a lot of chores. For example, all I have to do is take the laundry, um, sometimes wash dishes, clean the table, sweep the floor. Basically, that those are my chores. Mm-hmm. And after d- completing them between school and all of my chores, then I have um, free time to basically um, study more of machine learning. 
Got it. And I think you also have done some Kaggle competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your experience been there? How many have you done? So, so far I've done 35 Kaggle 35. competitions. 35. Wow. Although, um, sadly, I haven't won any medals on it. <laughs> but um, I don't really care if I don't earn any medals or anything. Because I think it's a really great learning opportunity for me. Uh-huh. Because on Kaggle, I can actually um, learn from mis- my mistakes and also learn from the people who actually won the competition. Because after the competition, um, I go through their kernels and actually see how they implement their way of doing it. There's also another thing I don't... Although um, Kaggle, um, I learn stuff from it. There's also another thing I don't like about Kaggle. For example, in the free sound audio competition... Mm-hmm. which ended about three months ago. Yeah. So um, I earned number one on the public leaderboard with just one try. Although on the public leaderboard, I was like number one. On the private leaderboard, I was like at the end. I'm like 393 out of 408 wow. people. And Although, you, were, um, you were doing the competition while it was still active? Uh, yes. So I already submitted before they uh, merged. Um, like they merged from public to private. Okay. No, I don't really like how they um, judge your competitions. Mm. Like, like they only like release this little bit of test data set, and, but the, most of the test data set they don't release it, which I don't think is very fair. Because, for example, someone who has like a really bad model on Kaggle, basically they can like go like top one hundred or something on the private leaderboard. Because your models are, like bad or something, or maybe good on. Um, the unshown portion of the test data set. So that's just one of the things I don't like about Kaggle. (laughs) But in general, I'd say Kaggle is a great learning opportunity Mm -hmm. and I'd recommend it for everyone. (laughs) Oh, and I also forgot to mention for people who are um, interested in learning machine learning, but don't know where go to Kaggle.com slash learn. Kaggle.com slash learn. Good resource for getting started. Yep, learning Python. There's good resources for learning Python. Also, um, there's also an instructor called Alexis Cook who's like um, really good into machine learning, mm. and she has a, a bunch of uh, machine learning courses on Kaggle, cool. free of charge. And also, um, the content I saw the content is really really good. And also, some of the courses were actually made with, um, in partnership with like grandmasters on Kaggle. Nice, nice. Uh, so, what's your favorite? type of machine learning well it used to be supervised learning Uh now i definitely say reinforcement learning okay and why do you like reinforcement learning well i like reinforcement learning because you can basically um do anything with it for example if you're training a robot and you're using machine learning for it you don't need any data you just use reinforcement learning and the robot will learn from its trial and error and after um, through trial and error, basically every single time it's going to be like really good and still going to be improving every single day. So basically you're just going to have to implement your model once and then you can sit back and relax while you're, you see a robot um, doing this task that you um, told it to in your machine learning model. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the hard part of reinforcement learning is? Um, what? Like figuring out what your cost function is, your optimization function. Do you get into that level of detail with it? Uh, not yet. Okay. It's pretty awesome that you even know what it is, though. <laughs> Do you have a lot of friends who know what reinforcement learning is? 
not a lot. <laughs> so online, uh, there's not a lot of resources on learning reinforcement learning. Uh huh. So I think um, for reinforcement learning, I still need to learn more about it. There's um, a lot of stuff I don't know about reinforcement learning. Have you done any projects with it? Uh, so far, I've only done like uh, two, I think. Yeah, two. What were the projects? Which was um, basically finding good bananas in a simulated environment. So there's good bananas and bad bananas. Okay. So your task is to um, train an agent to basically um, find the good bananas and pick that up and put it into your basket of your good bananas. And don't collect any bad bananas. Hmm. That's the first project. Mm-hmm. And the second project I do is basically train an agent to play tennis, to play tennis with another trained agent. Like Pong or like real tennis? or some... Like basically um, real tennis uh-huh. in a simulated environment, of course. So um, the simulated environment was provided by Unity. So okay. uh, one, you only have to train your agent. The other agent is provided by Unity. So you only train one agent. And there's two agents in the game. So the other agent is provided by the Unity um, app. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. It's so exciting to hear about all the amazing things you've been doing, learning about machine learning and AI. Are there any other things that you want to be sure to share with us? Well, I was going to say, um, after my um, Udacity um, Nerdview program, um, I was also um, really thrilled and honored to be invited by Lawrence Morney at um, Google's TensorFlow uh-huh. team because um, I became the youngest TensorFlow contributor and I, basic, uh, I basically changed README. But most of the README on TensorFlow's um, GitHub page is written by me. So I tweeted it out on Twitter after verifying that. And it was like three over 300 likes and 30,000 impressions on the first day. Mm. So basically, Lawrence Morney, who's the, um, who's the developer advocate for the Google's TensorFlow project, basically invited me to Google's TensorFlow team to basically learn the inside ins and outs of how they develop TensorFlow and also have a chit-chat on the future of TensorFlow. I've also um, recently been really honored to be invited by Cruise to um, Cruise headquarters. So in case you don't know, Cruise is basically um, a self-driving car company and is based in San Francisco. Yeah, I actually interviewed the head of machine learning and AI at Cruise at a conference that I recently did. Very, very cool guy. You should listen to that interview. The twin... At Twimmel AI conference? That the Twimmelcon conference, yep. I see. So um <laughs> so at uh, crew I basically um got to meet a bunch of really smart engineers and talked about how they develop um their soldiering cars and <clears throat> also about um how they um create their hardware and their sensors. Okay. And overall, I think it was a really great learning opportunity for me. Awesome. awesome. You know, I forgot to, I can't believe I almost forgot to mention this. You've also founded a whole bunch of companies, Firebolt, Firebolt Space Agency, Dopey Lopey, and Snap uh, Auto. What are these companies? So I don't work on Dopey Lopey or Firebolt Space Agency anymore. Okay. So I'm right now I'm only focusing on Firebolt Inc. and SnapBot. The Firebolt Inc. is a machine learning slash AI company that basically uh, does machine learning for humans. So it uses machine learning to improve human lives. 
Mm-hmm. Example, um, one of the projects I'm working on in Fireball right now is called Project Aurora, which is scheduled to be re- the first beta version is scheduled to be released in around July of 2022. Okay. So Project Aurora is basically a way of an online website, which I'm developing right now, which where um, you um, it can predict cancer. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if, if you don't know if you have skin cancer or not, take a photo of that piece of skin that you think that might have skin cancer and upload it to Project Aurora's website. And then it's going to tell you if you have skin cancer or not. Hmm. So this is one of the things that I'm working on at Fireball. Okay. And Snap Auto is um, basically a company which focuses on autonomous stuff, anything that's autonomous. Okay. Like for example, flying cars autonomous vehicles, robotics, anything that's autonomous because I love autonomous stuff. <laughs> and do you, is it kind of just you working on this or do you have a team working with you on these because companies? Our, um, on Snap Auto, I'm the only person because not a lot of people know self-driving cars, flying cars, or robotics. Okay. Which is a problem. Uh-huh, so I absolutely. I can work on it myself. But for Fireball, a Fireball Incorporation, um, I have a team. So I have my dad, me and also one of my friends. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. Well, Aaron, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and congrats on all your accomplishments in machine learning. You really are an inspiration to folks that are interested in this field and uh, learning. Uh, there's so much to learn here. Thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you. Also, uh, right before I leave, I have some acknowledgments I want to say. Oh, please. Okay, first of all, I'd like to thank Sebastian Vitalik, Sebastian Thrun, um, Rihanna Harvey, David Silver, Lawrence Morney, um, and also Sam Charrington, <laughs> and also uh, my family, who's been really supportive, and also much more mentors. And I'm really blessed to work with all of you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. To learn more about today's guest or the topics mentioned in this interview, visit twimmelai.com. Of course, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.